Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Brian Adams about what the great epiphany has taught us about employer branding. Brian Adams, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me on, John. Excited to talk to you today. Yeah, it is a pleasure to be with you. I'm super excited to have a nice conversation. Today, we're going to be talking about what you have framed as the great epiphany, really, uh, you know, all this discussion around the great resignation. Um, there's been tons of conversation around that. We're going to frame it slightly differently, talk about the great epiphany, and talk about what that has taught us about employer branding and how to be more effective in the future of work. As we get started, I wanted to share Brian's bio with everybody. Brian Adams is the CEO and founder of PH Creative, a global employer branding agency. He is a prominent employer brand thought leader and a two-time best-selling author, podcaster, and speaker. PH Creative has built world-class employer brands and talent engagement strategies, for companies like Apple, Intain, and American Airlines. And really, I could go on and on and on, Brian, um, but I'll leave that to you to, to flesh it out and, and share any other details about your background before we launch on into the conversation. Well, I think you nailed it, John. Um, I've been doing this just coming up to 18 years now. We're a specialist employer brand agency, and um, it's basically this two sides of the same coin from a consumer branding and employer brand perspective, and we just love what we do. And our vision is everybody loves their job. So we, we exist to help companies better articulate who they are so people can make better informed career decisions. Yeah, I love it. And, and it's super important right now amidst the super tight labor market. Uh, we already had a skills gap. We already had a labor shortage in many industries and many occupational areas. Uh, that's only been exacerbated by the current context and, and the impacts of COVID and how that's impacted the labor market. So more than ever, we need to have a strong employer brand and we need to better understand how to convey ourselves effectively out to the talent market uh, so that we can get people to apply. And then once we get them, hopefully we can, you know, retain them and keep them on board. So with that in mind, why don't you start by framing out for us why you call it the great epiphany and, and why you shy away from the idea of the great resignation generally. So really simple, John, you know, the, the resignation bit is uh, the, the action um, right at the end. And it's the result of something, not um, the, the motivator or driver. You know, and quite frequently, what we try and do is reframe things from the, the empathetic perspective of the person not the company, not the business, not the organization. Of course, organizations are seeing people resign, but I think it's important for us to lean into why. And in this case, um, you know, people have been doing a lot of soul searching. Their life has changed. They value things differently now. And, you know, people are waking up all over the world with an epiphany of, hey, I, I need to do things differently. 
you know, whether it's really life-changing bad news or whether they've seen something in their lives that they're not happy with or comfortable with, or whether they've just discovered or realized something because uh, of the circumstances or, or what, whatever's happened in their life. And, you know, the, the, so really the Great Epiphany is a reminder of what's happening in somebody's life at scale and what's the cause of people moving jobs, quitting, retiring early, and, and all, of the, all of this change. And I think whenever we start from the empathetic view of what's really happening, that's when we can start to understand and build and um, strategize in a more human way and um, in employer brand that typically is served as well. Yeah, I really like that. And I completely agree that we need to really understand where people are coming from. It's so interesting as I have conversations with executives and leaders, um, you know, there, there are many who just basically lament what, how they frame as entitled younger workers who aren't willing to come back to the office and, and they're just frustrated by that. Um, and I mean, whatever you want to make of that or whatever you want to make of generational differences or, or work life or work integration preference differences or whatever, the reality is it's, it's kind of silly wasted energy to complain about why people don't want to come work for you. <laughs> you, you have a choice. You, you either adapt uh, and, and make your, your organization you know, a place that people want to work and an environment where they feel supported and, and, and whatnot, or you don't, and people will vote with their feet and people are voting with their feet right now, right? Yeah, I mean, essentially branding is about differentiation and relevance. And there is an opportunity to embrace change and accelerate your relevance and reach in a, in a marketplace. So this, you can either look at this as a gift or you can take the attitude that, you know, that you've just described and instantly become irrelevant. And, you know, that's a, that's a choice. I see it as a gift. Others don't. Yeah. <laughs> Instant irrelevance. I, I really like that. <laughs> and I, I think many have, uh, really put themselves in that position and not just the current state of affairs with the great resignation or the great epiphany um, dealing with the tight labor market, but also just as the pandemic started to unfold, we really saw a sifting of leadership, I think, and, and organizations and how they responded to the pandemic. And you saw many who took a really people-centered, uh, empathic approach to how they're going to deal with their people. And then you saw others who were super resistant to providing more flexibility and support for their people. And again, that, that bears out. And now, you know, maybe at the time people were fearful for losing their jobs and what the economy was going to be like. And, and so people stuck around for a while, but after, you know, people don't have short memories and after things get settled a little bit and they feel like they, they have time, as you mentioned, to have this epiphany to really take stock on their life and take stock on their career and the types of jobs they're doing, the type of work they want to do, uh, what's most important to them. Uh, as we're taking time to reflect on all of that, then you, you, you think about your employer. And if you happen to be working for one of those employers that really wasn't very people-centric during the pandemic, I mean, chances of your people wanting to stick around are going to be pretty darn low. And people won't forget. They won't forget how they were treated. Uh, and so that just plays into where we're at today. It makes it even harder for those organizations that were on their back foot at the, you know, during the pandemic. Um, and now we have to go into overdrive to try to correct the ship and have a positive, healthy culture, make sure our people feel supported and really have the employer brand that's going to allow us to keep our good people um, so we don't 
you know, see the floodgates open and have people leave in Exodus, uh, but also attract new people. Yeah. So absolutely, you know, and what we're, what we've seen over the last 18, 18 months is brand sentiment and value being built on a foundation of vulnerability, authenticity, and, and compassion. So there's a, a, there has been an, a, a real opportunity for brands, um, you know, for the Davids versus Goliath brands, you know, to, to lead and show who they are. And that's what we've seen. So even through um, dark days, like Airbnb, the way they release people with empathy and compassion, their brand sentiment went up, their stock price went up quickly as the market um, started to get back on its feet. And they've been repaid enormously um, because the world saw how they cared for their people. You know, we're in a world, a generation now where that counts. It is, it is, um, it's currency. So, you know, we've learned a big lesson and uh, to still hear companies complain uh, about their people responding to their current proposition um, you know it, it just I just shake my head it, it's people still organizations out there still haven't learned that lesson uh, but they will soon and it'll be the hard way yeah yeah and I'm I'm uh, you know I, I consider myself a scholar practitioner I'm a university professor I do consulting work and and things like this podcast on the side um, and overall, I would say, you know, the university is a great place to be. It's a good organization run by good people. So I, I want to lay that out as an opening kind of disclaimer to what I'm about to say. In terms of pivoting and adapting to this kind of new reality, um, in part, it's just the nature of higher ed being kind of slow to, to pivot and adapt. I think that's part of it. Um, but, it, but it's been super interesting to see how the university bureaucracy and hierarchy has responded to this pandemic versus, say, certain corporate environments. Um, and right now, we see across the university so many open, unfilled positions. Uh, I just barely, I'm, I'm a department chair, I just barely filled uh, an admin position that had been open for over three months. And I had exactly one candidate for that position. <laughs> and luckily that person worked out, but you know, that that's the reality. And, and we, we, you know, in the past, I think, for example, the university space, you know, we, we, we don't always have the highest salaries, but we have good benefits and it's a, it's a meaningful, purposeful, you know, environment people, you know, uh, feel connected to the mission of the university. And so we attract people that way. Right. And we, I think we really banked on that. We really counted on that uh, to fill our applicant pool so we could select people. And what we're finding is we just can't count on that anymore. Uh, we, we have to do more <clears throat> to be adaptive and to be responsive to the labor market. And we're being a little bit slow at that. And, and I think that's one of the big reasons why we have lots of vacancies across the university. And then, you know, that has ripple effects because then people like me who doesn't have an admin, a full-time admin, I have to basically do my job and a full-time admin job, right? And multiply that across the university, all the people who are picking up the slack. Uh, and then you start to see burnout and you start to see, you know, the frustrations and the resentments and all those sorts of things start to surface, which will just cause more people to leave. So, um, so all of these are the types of elements we need to, to keep in mind as we think about the great epiphany and we think about employee, you know, attraction and retention of good people. Um, let's talk a little bit more specifically now about employer branding, you know, of course, this is what your company does. 
Um, what is your approach to employer branding and really, you know, creating that best in class, best organization to work for kind of employer brand? Yeah, great question. So essentially for me, there's three parts to employer brand strategy. Um, the, the middle one, the proposition or the employee value proposition, um, I wrote a book last year in, in March of 2020, the worst time to ever launch a book. Um, but uh, that's called give and get employer branding. And that's about the idea that the proposition is a two-way value exchange. And that means companies have to work harder rather than just promote the strengths, benefits, and opportunities of a place to work. You have to answer the fundamental question of, do I have what it takes to thrive as an employee? And is it worth the sacrifice? You know, what is the give? And what do I get? You know, so we can make real balanced career decisions. But there's three layers to employer branding, and, and that is the middle one. The first one is, is, is reputation, reputation as an employer. And, you know, there's still a little bit of a sort of myth that um, that reputation can be as intangible as um, we want to be the world's best employer or we want to be the most attractive. Well, actually, that's not valuable to any organization. So um, there's, there's three categories of reputation typically. One is uh, culture, which employer brand has traded on since you know, the, the dawn of um, time, uh, like HubSpot and Salesforce trade on the fact that you can bring your whole self to work and it's a great place to be. The second is career catalyst. So is this a place that is a talent accelerant that is going to accelerate my career and I'm going to get promoted, I'm going to get more money, I'm going to get more authority and you know, my LinkedIn CV is going to look great and I'm going to get a job at Google afterwards and all of that good stuff. And then the third, now that millennials are officially running the world um, and people actually care about. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. A lot more than those two two things is this idea of citizenship and we're seeing this rise to the priority now so the integrity of your leader your sustainability uh, your su your supply chain your diversity philanthropic activities all becoming um super important to um to people who are making career decisions and typically organizations fall into one of those categories so you'll lead so um Patagonia is would lead with citizenship, for example, and um, 
McKinsey would be a, a career catalyst. So, and then the final one is, is um, talent experience. So it's reputation, proposition, and experience. And the beauty of approaching it from that strategic perspective is um, if you know the reputation you're trying to cultivate and you have a very clear proposition, you can then very clearly find where to place your bets from a talent experience perspective to validate and amplify those, those two layers. Because it's very difficult to be world-class right across the spectrum of talent experience from candidate experience, employee engagement, uh, and, and alumni, which is also rising in priority. And my prediction is that's the, the, the best place to invest across the talent experience right now is alumni, purely because of the great epiphany, people are moving around and um, your, your reputation grows and your yeah. mind reach, um, you know, goes with, with that. So. So, there's a lot so I, I can we zoom in on that a little bit because mm. I really like that. Um, I, I'm assuming you, you mean alumni as brand ambassadors for the organization that they've left, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so you know, there's a variety of reasons why people leave, and when we talk about the great epiphany, you know, sometimes we think, well, someone just realizes my job sucks. I don't want to work for this company anymore, this crappy boss, and so they leave. That's not the only reason why people leave organizations, and sometimes people leave great organizations simply because they want to redirect the the trajectory of their career right and so when you have people who otherwise have had a great experience at your company but they choose to go somewhere else they're the very best at being brand ambassadors for you as an employer brand um they they will share the good news of of your culture your environment all of those things um and that's more impactful you know in getting people to consider your organization especially if you're not like a, a no-name brand organization um, more than a lot of other things. Absolutely. I mean, nostalgia, one of the most powerful human emotions. You know, if people are, have a successful career and they look back at their, their time at your organization fondly and they tell stories of, you know, I owe it all to them. I, that's where I learned to do this. That's where I pushed myself to do that. That's where that opportunity came about. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic way. It's a long-term long bet but it's a fantastic way to build brand reach and sentiment and also make it okay for people to come back and bring their wealth of experience and so on and so forth, or refer people and recommend, you know, it's a community that is going to grow, you know, are you going to control the or influence the narrative and harness the value or, or, or not? And, you know, you mentioned retention a few times and I think with the great epiphany or the great resignation, we're also learning, that um, one, retention isn't something you can control, you can only influence. And two, I personally believe it's overrated. I think we're seeing a lot of opportunity by, um, by people transitioning to other organizations. One, it makes us introspectively look at our organization and say, how, how do we be better? Um, two, hopefully it'll change our perspective on um, people leaving and the ability for them to come back and the ability to support them in their next, next uh, journey. And also think about, Think about it from a diversity perspective. When people leave, gaps are created for people to step into. So career development can be accelerated. Diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives can be accelerated. And uh, the health and fitness of organizations get better and people have more choice. So, so I, think, I think retention is overrated. Yeah, th those are all very great points. <laughs> and and uh, you said a couple of things that I, I want to highlight. Uh, one, you talked about playing the long game, 
with this. So if we're talking about employer branding generally, I think that tends to be a bit of a long game kind of an approach, but specifically if we're looking at the alumni piece, um, you also talked about creating an environment where people can return. Uh, it, it amazes me how often I hear or, or observe people who leave an organization um, and, and all of a sudden they're kind of blacklisted at the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems so incredibly stupid to me. Uh, someone who has a, a tremendous amount of experience, um, likely someone who has built up social and political capital at the organization. And for whatever reason, they decide to leave. If a new opportunity arises and they choose to come back, that is a huge benefit to us. And not only, you know, do we get a good person back, but they have left and gotten more experience and more exposure to competitors or to other areas. That's only going to be able to enhance what we're trying to do. So it it seems rather silly that we would kind of have this loyalty test and say, well, you chose to leave and therefore you're not loyal to the company. And therefore we're not going to hire you back, man. Talk about shooting yourself in the foot. Uh, just a really kind of a stupid approach, yet it's a fairly pervasive approach, uh, one that I think is is declining, but it's still, I, I see it and hear it about it all the time. Yeah, it's it's naive, you know, because it's going to happen. And I think you articulated it absolutely right. It seems to be some sort of loyalty test, but actually it's just part of life. So if we embrace that and um, we think empathetically and compassionately about people's career decisions and you know what's right for them and so on and so forth and we embrace them into a wider community that's only going to be enriched and and grow over time um you will reap the rewards as the organization as, as that community grows and then if you look at the likes of McKinsey they have a high performance culture it's an up and out mentality um a lot of the people who do two years at McKinsey uh, they'll go on to work at places like Google and Amazon now it's 25 times harder to get a job at Google than it is to be accepted at Harvard, you know? So McKinsey are very smart. They've got a great alumni website. They've got some world-class recruiters. They spend a lot of time on cultivating, um, bringing in young talent and cultivating that, that community on the back end. And it fits together beautifully. Now, they are a great example of an employer that has a very strong reputation as a career catalyst and they reap the rewards consciously um you know and it's i've got to tip my hat to them yeah and something else you said that i want to also highlight um maybe as we get close to wrapping up today is the the de and i component to everything we're talking about Mm -hmm. Um, i think thankfully more and more people are becoming better attuned to the diversity equity and inclusion and the belonging kind of conversations and I think more and more people are, are recognizing the importance of it and they have desire uh, to, to make positive movement in that direction. But there is a challenge. If you have the old guard who continues to stay in their positions indefinitely, regardless of how much mind shift you, that occurs, you, you can't really move the needle very much because you're not able to bring new people in or give people at lower levels who might you know, come from diverse populations, more opportunity to move up. So that's a really great point. Not to say that we need to just like jettison all of our, uh, the, the experienced people in the organization, but, you know, part of it's the just natural attrition that happens. That's a really great opportunity for us to, to then really walk the walk, not just talk the talk around diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
Yeah, I mean, we've seen it so many times where we've, we've even gone in and done some consultancy and it's like, quick, 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 urgently, we, we need a strategy, we need a, an audit, we need to know where we are, we need a plan. And that's all put in place. And it's like, great, now we just need to wait for people to die over the next 25 years, you know. And, it, and you know, the, the great epiphany has given us an opportunity again, but it, it's a, a mindset thing. Do you look at it as an opportunity? Do you look at it as a threat or a problem? You know, and there's there's definitely opportunity for organizations to move the needle there should they wish to, because people are quitting, they're retiring early, they're, you know, changing their lives entirely, they're emigrating. And, you know, there's a, a lot of change at the moment and with, with that comes opportunity. So if organizations can embrace the changing, uh, the, the, the time of change, um, not only will they benefit in the short term, <clears throat> but again, part of the long-term play, they need to, Organizations need to think about over the next few years, top interview questions are going to be, you know, how did you, how did you deal with the COVID years or what have you done to, to um, accelerate your diversity, equity, inclusion initiatives? And that narrative needs to be strong because actually there's no excuse for it not to be. Yeah, very well said. Well, Brian, it has just been a pleasure. I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute. But before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you and find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah, sure. So um, if you check out ph-creative.com, uh, you can see more about um, PH Creative, the, the agency. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. It's Brian Adams like the Canadian singer with a number one. I think it is. That takes you straight to my, my profile there. Um, we're running a sprint course at the moment. So if anyone's interested in strategic employer brand modeling and um, learning over a two-week period, um, it's going incredibly well. We're having lots of fun and encourage people to, to come and meet us over there. But um, apart from that, John, I really, really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks for the opportunity. Nice to connect. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Brian and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. They can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. 
Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.